Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Kevin Zollinger, Technical Account Director at NewSkin and President of the Microsoft User Group Utah on the topic of preparing for the future of hybrid community events. of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. My guest today is Kevin Zollinger. Hello, by the way. Good, Good morning. morning. He's a technical account director at NewSkin and president of the Microsoft User Group in Utah, or MUGIT. I love the acronym MUGIT. It just sounds so ugly and so like brute force. Like, we are community. Yes. <laughs> there, there may be a possibility that the name Mugget has your fingerprints on it, and yeah, so that, I appreciate that, that you like it. Who, who's to say? Uh, <laughs> but we're we're focusing today on the topics of hybrid events and community. So, uh, welcome, Kevin. Happy to be here. Any other disclaimers before we get started in the conversation? <laughs> I, I think there's a boilerplate that we all have to read that says that anything that we say in public is our own stupidity and is not associated in any way, shape, or form with that of our employers, past or present? Of course. that's It's implied. Um, well, something that's interesting. So uh, we, we were kind of having a conversation about this last night. So we actually had our, uh, we, we had our uh, couple times a month get together planning for the user group and talk about upcoming speakers and events and plans kind of going forward for the year. And here we are still in uh, you know, the world of the, the pandemic. And so there's a lot of conversations around hybrid events. And part of the conversation last night, as I mentioned, I helped um, with the hybrid portion of the North American Collaboration Summit or NACS, which happens every year in Branson, Missouri. And uh, you know, good friend, friend of the community, Mark Miller, uh, Mark Miller, uh, Mark Rackley, sorry, uh, who uh, is over at Avenade now, uh, organizes that. I know he has a, a team of regulars and they just kind of put it in, rinse, repeat. But over the last couple of years, we've had to, well, there are fewer people and they actually ran the event uh, last year and the year before. Obviously, fewer people attending in person and the facility, the Branson Convention Center, had the, you know, their their policies or processes in place for, you know, uh, constantly wiping down the space and social distancing and kind of all those other things. The other difference was typically in years past, this is a huge convention center. There might be one or two other events happening at the other end of the convention center. The last two years, it was just us. So to have, you know, 150 people show up for a convention center that can hold 15, 20,000 people. Um, yeah, uh, social distancing was not in, an issue. But anyway, that's that's the the in-person part part of that. But part of the discussion, this was kind of where it kind of came into our discussion last night around user group and other events that we might do locally is, you know, what what are necessary? What are the components that are necessary for a successful hybrid event? So, can, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that? What what makes a successful hybrid event. Well, and, and before we talk about that, let's talk about the live events because we, Mugget 
has been well known for doing a very successful, very popular event in January or February of every year. For, we for decided the last like, decade, right? Yeah, yeah. And and we've had for our small little community, we've had really, really good attendance and it's been well received and people have really enjoyed it. It's something that we all look forward to every year. And we decided last year, the January timeframe, that we just couldn't go forward. Right. We in twenty that was twenty twenty. In twenty twenty one. We kicked the can down the road to use one of my favorite quotes for a while, and we were going to do it in July, and then we were going to do it in August, and then we are going to do it in September, and we finally just pulled the ripcord and said, yeah, we're not going to do this at all in 2021. Here we are in 2022. We should be a month away from having this great event, and we're not going to have it. And the biggest reason that we're not is because we felt like we don't have a good answer for a hybrid event. When you look at, at the value that a lot of us get from these events, it's the in-person shake the hand, go stand in the corner, talk about your job, talk about your family, set up a day snowboarding, Top whatever. The ventures, right. It's the, uh, what's, what's the, what's the phrase that's used? I know Naomi Moneypenny uses this all the time there at Microsoft, uh, you know, but it was part of the, the Yammer community used it. It's the, uh, where you just, you run into, bump into people and you have, uh, these you know, informal ad hoc meetings that, that may or may right. not be topical to how you get your paycheck. And right. for a lot of us, that is a significant portion of the value that we got in going to events. And in a virtual event, it's really, really hard to do that. And so as we talk about virtual events, the thing that I don't think any of us has figured out is how do we replicate that, go huddle in the corner of a room or out in the hall or over a coffee and talk about life? And, and how do you do that? Right. Yeah, there's and, – and one of the things that's happened – and. The, the Microsoft Marquee Events is a great example of that. So they have their Marquee Events are Build for Developers. You have uh, Inspire every July. So Build happens usually in the spring. You have uh, Inspire, the partner conference in July. And then the fall, generally, but they keep moving the thing around, uh, you have Ignite, which is like the IT Pro. Well, what's happened to these events is they've become... Uh, you know, the, 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 the session length has dropped, it's been cut in half, or, or sometimes even more, and it's very marketing heavy. Not very marketing, it's just all marketing. And they'll push out information, and there's very little interaction back. So we lose that value. And I would argue that, and I think you'd agree with this, like the, the strength of those events was never about going to the sessions. In fact, Microsoft over the last few years, just like a lot of these other conferences, non-Microsoft events, been doing something similar where the content is available, you know, immediately following the session. So whether or not you attend the session in person, you're not missing out because the content is being pushed out immediately and recordings of the sessions like within 24 hours are available. And so the value of going to those events was the expo hall and was meeting up with people, was all of the one-on-one. -on -one. I think about, um, we have employees in China at my day job and and there's this firewall between here and there. And and that's an issue. And it makes it so that we, we struggle to do things like these teams meetings with our Chinese employees, just because the the network is not very good. Yeah. And I've had some great discussions in expo halls with Microsoft employees that, that can get down into the weeds with me and say, well, here's what we're seeing. Here's here's where we can show you the 30% packet loss between here and there, and here's how we can't do anything about it. 
I remember the phrasing. Naomi would always call it. It's the serendipitous meetings. Yeah. So that that's where like we're walking through and I've not seen you in three years. Be like, hey, Kevin, across the, yeah. the expo hall. And we go and talk. What are you working on? Well, I'm working on this project. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And and could be things that happen out of that. Like uh, you know, the last uh, the last year, of course, I've been working with that point. I've you know, been here as an employee prior to that as an independent I would have those serendipitous encounters with people and uh, I would, you know, half the time walk away with contract work. Yeah. Like, well, well, I didn't know you're doing that and let's plug you in. Some of the people that I've run into at conventions and conferences have become lifelong friends and, right. and we have kept in touch. And, and there are people that, that whether you're looking to, to find a job or you're looking to fill a job or you're looking just to have a hard quote, these are the kinds of people that you can go to. And, and those are, connections that in a webinar format, you're not going to make. Right. And so so when we talk about Ignite, Ignite was the highlight of the season for me in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, it didn't happen. I've got a, a collection of backpacks that I still use from, from previous Ignites. Yep. And and I, I still have friends that I chat with from time to time that I met at Ignites that live in other states. And you, you just don't get that virtually. And so in in 2020, they said, yeah, we're going to do this free virtual thing. And they did all of the same sessions they would have done if it was going to be live. And let me just point out here that one of the reasons Microsoft loves that model is because overnight, and they opened, made it free, so they're broadcasting their marketing messaging out, yeah. they're getting 10x, 15x registrations. So yeah. the numbers have just been fantastic for them as part of as much as you're know, pushing the message out there, the question that is the effective, effectiveness. Well, and, and they're not paying to tend a thousand, send a thousand employees to Orlando to, right. to hang out in Orlando for a week and a half. And so there's, there's cost savings. But what it did for me, Christian, is it was the high point of my week. And I would, prior to Ignite, like all the other good little geeks in the world, I would sit down and say, okay, at eight o'clock, I'm going to be here. At nine o'clock, I'm... And I would make sure that I maximized my time and I would sit in those rooms and, and and we would all have the email alerts and the phone buzzes that we would have to deal with. But for the most of the time that I was in that room, unless it was a really bad session, not that that ever happened, but but <laughs> if I'm in that room, I am present in that room. Yeah. And so for 2020, I set aside that time for the virtual conference. And I, like a dutiful little conference goer, put on my headphones and my comfy slippers and my good chair and and I it wasn't the same. I could not focus. I could not stay out of my day-to-day job and and it just wasn't nearly and it was the same content, the same speakers. The difference was me. I wasn't engaged. I wasn't there. I wasn't physically present. I well, wasn't there's a, there's a reason why some juries are sequestered. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we as as technologists I think all of us have a tendency towards the ADHD spectrum of things. We're all very intelligent. We're all very driven, but we're all easily distracted by shiny things, and we all love to solve problems. And so if I'm sitting at my normal desk with my normal monitor, my normal screen, and off in the corner pops up an email, I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. But if I'm in a conference hall and I've got my laptop closed and my email on or my, my phone on silent, I'm not going to see that, and I'm going to be – and the other thing is I've made – a financial and physical investment to be at that conference. 
And so there is some value in saying, yeah, I talked my employer into paying $2,500 for me to go spend a week in Orlando to learn more stuff. And so I feel like I've, I've made an investment. I, I put myself at risk from who knows what germs are on, a, on an airline plane to fly to Orlando. I am in there and I am present and that's really hard to achieve virtually. And so what that tells me is that in a virtual environment, those of us that are doing conferences, we have to have a very compelling reason for that person to be there. Well, so there's, you know, one being, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to be very intentional about what you want to get out of the content. I mean, the other problem with the events is the fact that um, if, if all we're doing is pushing out content, that content is generally available in multiple places. Yeah. And, and so that's another thing where I get frustrated by, um, you know, like build up for an event like this. And then it's like, well, we've, well, as an MVP in the Microsoft ecosystem, I had get to preview a lot of content, a lot of information, the weeks, months leading up to a major event like Ignite. And so it's, you know, my, Microsoft still, e even then tries to have surprises there where they've not taught, talked to the community at all about some things. And I actually appreciate that because uh, you know, especially when we're talking about an in-person event, when you get there and and there are no surprises, you're aware of everything. It's like, did I need to be here? Other than the you know the people interactions. That's again, you know, the the content side of things, and then there's the the personal interactions and the value there. And I think that's where the the value of you know a two thousand twenty five hundred dollar ticket to one of these major week long technology events is worthwhile is because of the people side of it not the content side of it, but it's even more so now when all the value is in the content that's being shared and we have access to that content through multiple channels. It, it, it's, uh, I, I just think that people are figuring that part out and further degrading the online model. So when when YouTube was young, some smart analyst came up with a term called the long tail. Yep. And he said that YouTube represented the long tail of the internet because you've got your ABCs, your NBCs, your Fox Sports that are gonna have millions of viewers. And then you've got your CBOC that's gonna have hundreds of users. And then you've got a guy like me that I might be happy to have two viewers, right? And as I'm thinking about this model that we're talking about, where we invest to go and where the, we, we go because the content is compelling and we pay attention because the content is compelling. And I'm thinking about that long tail analogy. It, it occurs to me, and this wasn't something that occurred to me last night, but the, the value that we might have from a hybrid convention or a hybrid conference is interactivity. And you talked last night about the model that you use where you've got somebody in every room that is there to represent the online viewers and is there yeah, to be. Yeah, we have, that. that's what has, I, one thing that has worked very well, we have a lot you know, high praise from that North American Collab Summit. And I've yeah. helped with that on that hybrid portion is in each session. So we had moderators dedicated to a room. So physically there in the room, there was always somebody there who was in the audience, but was logged into the online community. So the online participants. And so when they have questions, you can't ask the presenter up in front, 
who might be going through code or going through slides and up there talking to the audience, uh, it, you know, cameras on that person, that's all great. They can't also be fielding, watching the conversation and answering questions from that audience. And so having a physical representative in the room that could raise their hand and say, hey, you know, Susan online has this question and then ask it on behalf. Like so, that has worked really well. So we talk about that proxy in the room, right? Yep. And, and I'm thinking about there's different, I'm almost thinking of it as like a three layer cake. And, and I tell all the time the story of Satya in, in the keynote when he misspelled a word and got the red squiggly line and he turned to the audience of 30,000 people and he said, you know, without that red squiggly line, I don't think I'd be employable. And it was a great moment and it was a great event. And I don't remember what he was demoing, but I still use that line all the time. They didn't ask for questions from that audience of 25,000 people and they're not going to. And then I think about going to a Jeff Tepper session where he's talking about Teams or SharePoint or whatever. And and we've got 200 people in the room and, and there's a certain amount of bravery required to raise your hand or shout a question out in a group of that size, but it's possible. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that it's encouraged because they have a very tight script and they've got information they wanna share with us. And so it, that information flow really is pretty one way. But if we think about the North American Collab Summit, you've got 15 people in the room and 150 people online if I'm online, I don't have to be the guy that phrases the question. And, and clearly I'm very shy and retiring and I don't right. get out much. I just type it in and, and the proxy that's there raises the hand and says, hey, Bob, we've got a question about, can you? And so now- Or even more common there is that there's a whole discussion thread where you may throw out an initial question. Other people say, oh, and this, and this. And then the yeah. proxy, looks at all of that and says, hey, I've got a question. There's a couple people asking this. Susan and Steven and Kevin are asking this question and then go and modify that and ask that more robust, complete question based on that discussion. Yeah. And and so as we talk about the future of the hybrid environment, and, and we all hope that at some point COVID is a distant memory and we talk about back in our day when we wore face masks. But <laughs> But until then, I think the model that we have to come up with is a way for a owner of information to find a way to make that compelling so that we will invest the time to pay attention and to be there in the session, even virtually, and then a way for that proxy, that moderator, to be able to represent those that are online and interact with them and and make sure that that there's value in that presentation to those that are online. Yeah. Well, that, and that, that's the hard part. And I, going back to something that I thought of too, is that I, I've uh, written in an, an article, um, I, the, when, when was it? The date on this? Oh, it's just, so it's just um, published like a couple of weeks back, um, uh, end of December, but talking about the three voices of social marketing. It's actually the concept of this, uh, when I was at Microsoft uh, 12 years ago, was part of the, they had this uh, uh, community of people managers um, called the Management Excellence Community or MEC. And I was the uh, part of the leadership team or MELT, so MEC leadership team. And uh, yeah, Microsoft loves its acronyms there. No, no, no. I created, they, love, they love their TLAs. 
Of course. <laughs> Those were FLAs. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I created a, uh, a a PDF, kind of a booklet, as promotion of Mac and Melt, and and it was the the idea, the goal of the the group overall was to raise the quality of people management to get people to take seriously that management wasn't just something that hey that's a rung on the ladders I move up. I've been an individual contributor. I've been a really good engineer for the last ten years. My next step is to be a manager. It's like no, uh, if you're not good with people but excellent with technology, you shouldn't have to move into managing people because there are many, many engineers who should never be in charge of other human beings. And who's the uh, Who's the famous guy that said we're all promoted until we're incompetent? Yeah, I don't know, but I I think most people are all in government. No, but the the part of this was that the. So I, what I talked about in this article and what I shared as part of this guidance for kind of evangelism of management back when I was at Microsoft was the idea of the three voices. And it's important to have a, like an equal balance between that. So think about this from a marketing standpoint, from a social communication standpoint, you have three voices. You have the corporate voice, which is that traditional professional voice of your business of your team of what you're trying to, to, to go and do. You might have event news, uh, press releases, product schedules, things, you know, executive movement, things that are formally about your company, about your organization. Um, so basically this is content that you would otherwise share through traditional marketing or PR channels. Then you have your subject matter expertise voice. Uh, you know, depending on the type of business that you're in, it could be kind of the meat and potatoes of your communication strategy. So you, you maybe you have somebody dedicated to social channels and it's blasting things out there. It, it's okay to talk about, hey, our company has a new, our company XYZ product Inc. has this new product that's being released on January 15th and go check it out. That's the corporate voice. The subject matter expertise, the SME voice is the, let's dig into what are the business problems that we see that are out there. It's more of a neutral voice where it's the expertise of that. Within the technology space, a lot of what we go to do to try and convince community, whether internal or external, is say, can we agree that the product does these five things, yet most customers need these seven things, meaning that there's two areas where there are gaps. How do we fill those gaps? And so I do use my SME voice a lot in the Microsoft technology community by saying, like, here's what SharePoint does. Here's what Teams does. Here's features that are available. Here's the end-to-end -end customer experience of what we're trying to do as users. Here's where there are gaps. And my subject matter expertise voice, I say, here's what I do to fill those gaps, to span those with other solutions or building things or governance, just managing those gaps, knowing that they're there. Well, so as, I'm, as, as yeah. I'm thinking about that, Christian, one of the things that, that I, back when we went to conferences, one of the things that I would like to go to a conference for is the idea that, that we've got an Avpoint or a Microsoft or somebody that talks to a lot of people just like me and knows the problems that people just like me have right. in their role as SME at their organization. And so this is, here's yeah. what we've seen and here's how you get past that. Here's how you fix that. Here's a feature you didn't know existed or here's a product you didn't know existed that fills that gap. 
that you can go home and be successful with. That exactly and exactly. Well, the let me and I'll, we'll come back to that in a second here. The the third voice you think again about social and communication and getting out there is the personal voice. Is that like you know, Kevin? You and I are human beings. There are things that you're into cycling. I'm into whatever I'm into. Nobody knows because I'm in my basement. Basement. And I never get out. No, but you you talk about things like family. You talk about I went to you know the park and running things like that because you think about it. That like let, let's look at like Twitter, like your Twitter profile. I promote things that hey my company has a new product, push it out there. I promote things where hey I solved this problem as this problem where I was integrating with Outlook and I was doing something with Cortana and I was automating something. Here's how I did it. I did a blog post on it. I answer some questions around that. That's that SME voice. Other things I said yeah hey happy birthday to my wife, or I'm so proud of my daughter for she achieved this, or even that, hey, I just finished a new uh, certification, a new Azure certification, and, and I'm excited to have accomplished this, or I just finished my master's degree. But that personal insight, think about that, having a balance between those three voices, if you're too much on the corporate voice, it's just propaganda, that's all that it is. If it's too much of the sterile, the SME voice, and people is like, oh, yeah, but is this just, again, it could be interpreted as some propaganda, uh, uh, or or they're just always talking about you know the, themselves, but how do I know the real Kevin behind the, the, the picture? If it's all about the personal voice, like, I don't need to know every day what you're eating for breakfast, Kevin. I'm sorry. I don't need to know that and have multiple photographs of that. But when it's a balance across the three of those, it it, it you know it registers correctly for things. Now, equating all of that to the events, think of the way that like Ignite is being run now. It is heavily skewed towards the corporate voice, like announcements, formal announcements, to some degree, and I would argue, my experience is that greatly decre decreased the SME voice portion of that because it's heavily promotion announcing things and there's very little digging into the details of that. And that's that's one of the things. And then there's almost nothing of the personal voice. They're trying around that, but that's where I think we hurt the most by having purely online events is with that personal voice. And, and I... Maybe this is me being cynical. I have been known to be cynical in the past, and maybe this is another example. But in the past, when Microsoft announced something, it was done more. <laughs> I guess that's not even always been the case. But a lot of what we see being announced is coming in six to 15 months, <laughs> you're going to get this. Yeah, that's been an ebb and flow thing, you know, because a few years ago, with the first May the 4th event, and now we're getting very Microsoft ecosystem uh, speak here, but Microsoft did made an intentional effort. And I would have to say for those that are in the Microsoft 365, the SharePoint, Microsoft Teams world, like that world, and Jeff Taper, corporate vice president over these areas made a very, you know, uh, uh, you know intentional move to say, we're trying to get better at talking about those things, which we're, are 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 coming are are getting ready to be out there. So 
the the time between talking about it, announcing and talking about it to delivery of you know a beta of something, uh, you know piloting things out or the product ready, which mu- which was much shorter. It's once again, I think, lengthening to your point. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, that's uh, yes, that that's always a difficult thing. But one of the things that I think that the difference between you know the these events is that for Microsoft to go and put on a multi-day online all these hundreds of sessions in an event like this, where it loses the SME voice and definitely loses the personal voice, the personal connections is because they're broadcasting things out. They realize nobody wants to sit there for an hour. So they shorten that message, which means that it's much more pushing out content, much less on how do I actually do this? How do I leverage this? What are the APIs? What's the experience? And then there's no community voice. Yeah. There's less of a community voice around those things. When we rolled out video conferencing, one of the things that I pitched as part of that we we have quarterly business reviews and we bring guys in from all over the world that are that are leaders to review their their markets, their regions, their business units. And they they all go off site for three days and they spend two or three days reviewing the business every quarter. Mm-hmm. And my pitch was, okay, if we're gonna do this video conferencing, ain't nobody got the attention span to sit and do that for three days in a row. What if your QBRs were two hours every Wednesday afternoon? And you and you change the the duration and the cadence, and so it became a a series of quick hits instead of one big long thing. And as we think about the week long event, it was a week long because we all had to go to Orlando, and yeah. we can't all go to Orlando at three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon every week for the rest of our life. But if we were to say, okay, we're going to do an hour on Monday and an hour on Wednesday and an hour on Friday, and here's the topic. And we're going to do that all year in lieu of Ignite or Build. And we're going to do it with some live audience that's local. Maybe we'll do a roadshow and have some local live audience in the communities where we have lots of participants. And we'll have a proxy in the room so that those of you that are virtual can ask your questions with complete anonymity if you so desire. As a recipient of that, I'm going to say, okay, let me look at the agendas and, hey, that's a problem I'm dealing with. I'm going to show up for that and I'm going to be ready to ask my questions or this guy's funny and I always learn something. I'm going to go and spend an hour listening. And instead of saying we're going to do it in a week long or a weekend, and I know that makes it harder to do hybrid because you're not going to have the the people that have all flown to a location to be there, but you're, you're not saying you got to invest three days and you have to pay attention for three days in a row. You're saying, give me an hour on Monday. Well, but see, we're in what you just described, Kevin, is exactly what we did with the user group. Where, you know, the monthly sessions where we have, you know, one of the sponsors, Journey Team, providing a space Mm -hmm. and it's turned into a viewing party. So I think as things start to open up more, we'll have more people that will make the decision like I want to have those personal interactions and the rest of the, you know, meet people and all that kind of stuff that happens there. But those people that are purely interested in the topic and the speaker and may not even be from within our region can yeah. dial into that and, and have that available. So you have both of those things. But what you lose, like I agree as far as the corporate voice pushing out the announcements and even the SME voice 
But what you lose is that the serendipitous connections, like that, that stuff that happens. And I mean, is there is there any way to achieve that? I, Can we build I, an app? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the guy, gal, or organization that solves that is going to mint all the money they could ever want. Because that really is, as we talk about our work from home existence these days, and you're home in your basement, and I'm home in my upstairs spare bedroom, and, and I'm here two or three days a week, and you're there six or eight days a week. We we don't get these serendipitous water cooler conversations where we get a feel for how other people in our organization are feeling. Yeah. And we, we don't get a chance to know other people in our organizations like we would if we were all in the same space. And And when we figure out how to do that virtually, that's going to be a game changer. You know, one of the things that started like early days of the of the pandemic. Well, like as you know, uh, so I, one of the things that started, like a bunch of other experts and MVPs and just people around the community around the world, we started doing a weekly uh, uh, live stream, and we ran it initially for like two hours, and we did it every week for sixty one weeks in a row. We did this panel where we, it just evolved, where we started answering questions that people had posted out to various community sites. And we didn't, we never had big numbers of people showing up. There might be through the various channels because we would simulcast across YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And we might have a dozen or two dozen at most. I think the biggest we ever had was like 40 people like on there at one time. I think that was just that one week for some reason. It was a fluke, uh, but we might only have a handful, but it was more about us getting together. It was the fun of collaborating and we were learning something. We created, you know, these, these assets, which then nobody went and looked at afterwards or very few people. Uh, and it's continued to evolve and things around that. In the early days of the, the pandemic, you saw a lot of user groups that would just schedule time with no speaker, with no topic. And it was just a dial in, let's chat. What are you doing? What are you working on? Yeah, it's not, and we're starting to see, we're starting to see more and more platforms offer up breakout rooms. Because one of the things that, that we run into is if we had 40 people here, we only really have one conversation thread that can be active at a time. Right. And anything I say to you, the other 38 people are going to hear. And it's likely I'm ignoring as well. But, you know, just just being honest, Kevin. Well, they're, they're, <laughs> but, but, but we can't say, did you see the pants Greg was wearing? Holy cow. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> and that's, for those of us that wear normal pants, that's part of the joy in life is making fun of those that don't. And What are these pants things that I keep hearing people yeah. talk about? Who wears those? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, no, it, I, but I, but I agree. It's it's uh, having, you know, one having those scheduling and building it into your your schedule to have these. Um, I don't know just to say unfocused. It you know it makes it sloppy to have these. How about unstructured community? Unstructured is better, right? These unstructured uh, unstructured collaborative community just discussions where people can connect. I see that happening a lot less. Like I was thrilled. I joined in a couple that were in the Northeast and I had it on my calendar for a while, would dial in occasionally. I joined a couple calls. I have a lot of friends in South Africa. So when I saw that they were doing this, 
I like dialed in. It was like a midnight my time, but I'm just like, you know, I just haven't heard the voices of some of my friends down in the region. So just you're, dialing you're, in. You're exposing your age by dialing in, by the way. Oh yeah, I know. I, so <laughs> I, I, uh, well, what, what's the right phrasing? I log in. I log, log in. in or connected or yeah, we don't use a modem anymore, yo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, you know, for joining, joining yeah. those those meetings uh, virtually from afar, it, you know, it, it, it's been fantastic. Uh, like I just saw invites for another user group. Where was it? It was in the UK and they're doing something again, where it's just a broad invite to people to kind of get together. I'm like, I know a couple people. It's a chance to meet other people that I, I don't know, you know, and I'm, so I went in, I, 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 you know, reserved my spot and I'm planning to join that in like two weeks. Um, but that's, I, I'd love to see more of that. Yeah. So that, I think that helps solve part of that serendipitous connection gap. I, it, it might be a small sliver of a beginning of filling it. Yeah. But, but I, I have had so many good conversations with so many good people that it was just the two or three of us in a corner in a hallway at one of these meetings. Yeah. And, and that is really hard to replicate in a virtual environment. Yeah, it, it, it's just not happening to the same degree. And it's, well, I, what I worry about, I think a lot of people worry about is whether, you know, I, I hate the phrasing of, you know, the new normal. Yeah. Hey, get used to this, this is the new normal. It's like, no, no, I think I think once things open back up, I think we're, we're you know, even with the, the current, you know, Omicron surge and things that are going on, you know, the look at the data and I don't want to get into the politics of the discussion of uh, the virus itself. But I, I do believe that, you know, events will forever be changed. I don't know what that'll look like yet, but I do believe that, you know, events will get back into, uh, you know, closer to what they were, but with hybrid components. That's what I, I I believe, but it's, it's I don't know if it's going to be these massive events. I was just going to say, Christian, it's it's almost like it's going to be a great winnowing, because the organizations that figure it out, and the organizations that figure out how to provide value in a conference are the ones that will survive. And it, I don't think it's the CESs of the world that are going to do that. Yeah, when you look this year at the CES. There were a lot of companies that said, you know what, we're just not going to go. Here's what we would have announced. And they right. did that in December. Yeah. And and so you kind of see the writing on the wall for the events like CES that were of value only because of the size of the audience they could bring. Right. And so if as an organization, as a conference, my value is being able to get a bunch of people to fly to Las Vegas at the same day. My existence is in jeopardy. If I'm an organization that can figure out how to deliver compelling, curated content in a reliable, easy to consume way, I might survive. And if I'm an organization that figures out how to do that and have some sort of mechanism so that the conference attendees can get to know themselves as people to have that personal voice that you're talking about, I will thrive. You know, uh, where this is working its way into a completely different topic, which is the evolution, the change that's happened around 
marketing because mm-hmm. one of the other problems that you know exasperates this issue is that you know further refining of the digital marketing model and what's effective and not effective there's been uh, you know uh, people just completely you know turn off a lot of of the marketing just shut that down we all run an ad blocker right correct yeah and those tools have gotten more uh, more effective but even though i think we've gotten effective in just um shutting down uh, uh noise that's out there like i'm constantly my favorite feature on social platforms is the mute button mm. and so that allows me to if i get noisy people that i'm friends with and i i want to stay connected to i want to be able to reach out to but i just don't want to hear from them on a regular basis i just hit that mute button i call it the whack job button yeah i'm gonna hit so, the whack job button <laughs> but we're we're doing that with a lot of the social social messages a lot of that it's it's interesting there's a just was shared a an article uh, this morning about that I'm I'm kind of sharing out with my um, champions community uh, about uh, about content sharing. It's interesting that the, the first this article I'll have to find out to send you a copy of it, but it was talking about you know effective ways of building. Uh, you know, uh, evangelists and building advocacy around a brand, around a product, around a company um, is, you know, the number one thing, the most important thing out there is original content. It's so, like it emphasizes that part of it. It's that subject matter expertise. Yeah. So that, I was, that side. when I was leading the rollout of Office 365, and, and, and before I say this, I want you to think about there's that old video of the guys that are counting the number of times a basketball is passed back and forth amongst a group of people. Mm-hmm. And while that's happening, a guy in a monkey suit comes through. And so afterwards, there's they, they, they're they asked how many times they pass the ball and then they have an answer. And did you see the monkey? And nobody sees the gorilla because they're so busy. And and we we filter out stuff that that isn't meaningful to us. And so when you talk about ads and, and whether we're driving up and down the road or whatever, just subconsciously, we're going to filter stuff out that that isn't of interest to us. Yeah. So when I was doing my evangelism for that rollout, one of the things that I did was a weekly status on here's where we are in our rollout. Here's how many people have been converted. Here's how many people that are using it. Here's how many gigabytes and then terabytes of content we have in OneDrive. Here's how many teams. Totally dry and boring stuff. And I'm not the company president, and so they don't care inherently what I have to say about any subject. Let's be honest, I'm just a peon. And, and I would send this email out and I could see who had read it and who hadn't. And I could see who replied and who hadn't. At the beginning and the end of every email, I would talk about the football game. I would talk about the the skiing that I was gonna go do. I was gonna talk about the bike race I was gonna, and it made it personal. Yep. And people responded because it was personal and because it was a connection between me and them. And again, I'm I'm a nobody. I'm a peon. But because I was willing to make it be about me and show some vulnerability about me, that made it be interesting enough that people read and responded. And I think it was very effective in that way. And and again, to to kind of drag this back to our 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 topic of how do we make a hybrid conference or convention work? I think there are tools coming that will will figure out 
even with all the privacy protections that are also coming, how to have a one-to-one -one conversation with a lot of people at the same time and have it be meaningful. And, and so what I might be able to do is say, Christian, I know that you're going to be interested in these three or four sessions. And so let me tell you why you should go to those. And let me tell you how we're going to provide value to you at those three or four sessions and make it be all about this is the Christian show. And at the same time, there's a Kevin showing going off in a different room that they can also talk to me about. Yep. And for an organization like Mugget, I don't know how we're going to do that. We have to figure that out. But but the bigger organizations, whether it's Microsoft or Avpoint or Avanade or whoever, they have enough of an incentive to do that that I think they're going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, again, hey, marketing guy. So this is, I think from a marketing perspective, which I think is just a great you know in indicator of what has become less effective in marketing. And what you just I talked about, you know, uh, uh, what you're employing from the three voices of corporate, SME, and personal, you're making a balance. You're announcing yeah. things. You're providing the, the the more detail, the the subject matter expertise there. But then you're also including that personal layer because some people will connect. That's the information I need. I needed that announcement. Some people want the more hands are dirty, hands-on experience. This is what I'm doing around that. And others, like people, they may not, they may gloss over that and be like, oh, Kevin's always talking about cycling. I need to talk to him about that because I'm really into that side of it. And they may then, in each of those cases, they may go explore those other voices, those uh, that other content because of that connection at that point that is based on their style. So my goal was to get him to open up the email every week. Yeah. As, as a conference owner, your goal is to get people to come and invest time. Even if you're not charging money, you want people to invest time and be present virtually. I'm telling you, that's why we need the clickbaity titles to our uh, to our community segments. We have a speaker come in, you know, just uh, it's like, you know, hey, Kevin's going to, you know, Kevin could possibly save the world using Power Platform. Come yeah. find out how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, those of you that are Mugget members, the the uh, January meeting is going to be as clickbaity as it has ever been. <laughs> uh, yeah, good good times because that's uh well that's why we also have the the what we don't want with the user group and with the with an event is the high bounce rate. You know, people that click through to find out. Oh, I see, they're just doing something. It's just marketing. There's just spin on this, and then they jump back out. Now we want people to actually participate. Well, and, and the last thing that that we'll say, and, and I, I'm running out of time. Yeah, no worries. But, but the last thing I'm going to say is that that it's incumbent on those of us that are the target audience to help the providers of the content understand what motivates us to invest. Yes, yes. That it, that's a huge part of that. It's uh, I I find myself constantly saying this in the technology community. I was like, that's fine to sit and complain. Something didn't work. It didn't work right. They got the customer experience wrong. They don't think about you know all aspects of what you're trying to accomplish. But if you never speak up, if you never share with that, how do we know to how to improve that? Yeah. How so I'm not saying that we're asking people to come be on the board. We're not asking people to come present. We're not even asking them to tell us who to have come present, but I want somebody to say, hey, I'd love to learn this. I'd yeah. love to learn that. I'd love to hear about this other thing. And, and if we as the potential audience share with the content providers, here's the things that interest me, 
they can provide that. And so it becomes a two-way street. Yeah. Well, that's that's with all the changes that are out there. It's getting, because of the security, again, the right changes are happening globally around security, securing of information. It's making it difficult for for companies to go and scrape information about you, who you are, what you're doing, your behaviors, to be able to provide you with that personalized experience. And, so and if you're not providing way. feedback. When, when yeah. Apple changed the rules and said, if you want to get personalized information, you have to opt in. Yeah. And I'm going to make a number up, just like all, all statistics. This one's made up. Something Only like 75.9% of stats are made up. Yeah, yeah. This was a high, it was like 80% of the people said, no, I don't want to be personalized. I want to be anonymous. We are not opting to be, and and so if 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 we aren't allowing our vendors tooling that will put us into use the Google term cohorts, then we have to speak up with the people that might have stuff of interest to us. Well, it also means that content providers need to. It once again points to how important search and discovery are. And we need to provide the tools or against our content as content providers for people to go in there and find that. Like for example, like our our blog, there's you know a hundred different ways that you can go and filter your view to get exactly the content you want. We're doing our best based on actual clicks and views and reads. And people that are looking at building out a blog or a website or your product, they're looking at that too. That I, I might offer you 10 different topics. If I see that 85% of the clicks are around one topic, I'm gonna go and build more content around that topic area to deliver to that audience. So we're getting some after the the after the fact, um, but with which is harder to do when you're trying to lead your audience, when you're trying to uh, educate them on something, yeah. they don't know to click on something that, they're, that they need to know about. Yeah. The other thing, Christian, that that we need to do as content providers is just be overly responsive. Yeah. The uh, the email that I sent out every week, if you have a question, send it here. And we had a team, and our goal was to have that answer or that reply back right away. And we may not know if if you said, hey, I've got this problem, I'm seeing this error message, it might take us a while to figure that out. But almost instantly, you're getting an email back from somebody in the team saying, okay, we got you, we're on it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop, right? And so if somebody sends me an email as the mugget guy and says, hey, I want to hear about this, it's incumbent on me then to say, I hear you, I see you, and I value your, and so we're going to do this for you. And, yeah. and, and maybe we say, you know what, we can't do that. Maybe I say, you know what, I don't think anybody else in the world but you cares about that. I don't know. I would never say that. But... <laughs> But we need to be overly responsive as our audience members ask questions just to acknowledge that we care about them. Well, as we move forward, and I think we both agree, you know, hybrid is going to be the future for these events, whether local community user group things, um, you know, your own company initiatives or massive global, you know, events like these marquee Microsoft events that we've been talking about it'll be hybrid some degree and you'll have different levels of success around that. Maybe some of the things that we're doing for North American Collab Summit with our hybrid, it only works because of the size of the audience to go and coordinate that and organize that. Maybe that doesn't translate to a 5,000 person or a 50,000 person event. You can't do it in the same way. Well, but 
but when we talk about something scaling, I, I think there are technical things that you could do that would allow you to have multiple proxies in a room, each having their own threads to cover. I, I, I agree. I so I, I, I there's a lot that we could go and do. That that's kind of my point. It's like to provide that to your previous point, listen to people's feedback around that. Try some things. Like you you can't measure something. You can't know if it worked or if you've never piloted it out, if you never you know tried those things. Get feedback from your users about what they're interested in. Um, and not just the topics of the event, but you know what worked in the event itself. Yeah. I mean, we're we're evolving and changing this with the with the NAX event as well, um, and uh, and and you know and then be willing to to change and as you said, be responsive to that feedback. Let them know that they're heard and that you're going to try you know what you're going to try out for the next time. What we're going to evolve and change with the mugget with the user group. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, we feedback is great. You have to try things. You have to be transparent so people know that hey, change is happening, and I do have a voice. And people are more likely to continue to provide feedback if they feel that they're listened to. Yep. Speaking right. of listened to, I got to run. Um, yeah, Kevin, thanks so much for your time for joining me. Let's uh, let's remind people that Mugget is willing to listen to anybody, anytime, yes. anywhere. Yeah. We, we meet. What is it? The fourth Tuesday of every month at four o'clock or four thirty. We're on we're Mountain Time. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um I'm on Facebook and Twitter. So find any of us and come join us and we'd love to have you be a integral part of our hybrid virtual meetings. It's always cool when I see people from around the world that are dialing in. And I think we tend to have as many people outside of the community as we do inside the community that participate in these. So everybody's yeah. welcome. So Kevin, thanks a lot for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening. Hungry for more great content? You have to check out the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ducks Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer at AppPoint, and I sit down to chat with top business leaders and IT professionals about their most challenging modern workplace projects. Tune in to hear real-life advice from industry peers on making plans and pivots, casual conversations exploring the latest trends in collaborative Microsoft 365 technology, and easy, actionable strategies to make organizational change happen. Subscribe to the Shift Happens podcast today, available on all major platforms. Can't wait to see you there. Shift Happens podcast.